blessing that Eric shares his light with us in song like that, right? Beautiful, Eric. Thank you. Thank you, music team. So welcome, everybody. Happy Sunday. You know what's coming. I gave you a spiritual practice last week, and that practice was all about the idea that this too shall pass, right? Which we are all used to doing with those negatives in our life. Oh, thank you, God, this too will pass. But it also applies to the positives in our life, right? So to not get attached to either or, to recognize everything will pass, but that except for that power and presence of God that is there in every single moment. So how many of you took on that practice last week? Okay, I see some hands. So I'm sure that somebody has something to share. Greg does. And if you do, I'll look around in a minute and you can raise your hand. But we're going to start with Greg. Well, the... um Sadness of the anniversary of the death of a loved one. Ah, yeah. This too shall pass. Yeah. Anybody else? Okay, James. I was at work uh, last Monday and I got the dreaded call from my mother that, hey, James, I've fallen and I can't get up. So, of course, I dropped everything and ended up that she. Broke her hip and had to get a hip replacement at 93. So oh. I've been busy this week, but I managed to think about that. Yeah. This too will pass. And it's something I've said to her quite often. This too will pass, you know? And I think it really made a difference to her just to recognize it. Don't focus on this moment, you know? We can get by this. Yeah, yeah beautiful. 93. I see her healing. Oh, yeah. Anybody else? Okay, one more. Oh, two more, because Joanne's back there. And then, and then we'll, we'll end. This was miraculous to me. This was miraculous to me. Um, Ananda and his practice in the extreme of death. And I've always had some difficulty with mindfulness. It just didn't quite click for me. So this practice got me Oh, mindfulness. Now I get it. Now you get it. Being fully present in this moment that is temporary. Mindfulness. Beautiful. Okay, Joanne? This is Medicare certification time, which is totally mind-boggling. So I'm going through this, like, studying 10 hours a day. And on top of that, I uh, switched my Internet from Spectrum to AT&T, and they messed it all up. Uh, so I was like, oh, my God, I, I think in one day, luckily I had to go to Weight Watchers and weigh in, and one day I lost two pounds from all the stress. <laughs> <laughs> then I came to church Sunday, and it was, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. So now everything is in order. So it was perfect timing. Perfect, Joanne. Perfect. So something to practice. Just because it's not going to be your spiritual practice today does not mean you can't keep practicing that idea, Right? This too shall pass. So we're moving on in our wisdom tales today. We have one from Africa today. Actually, it's from Ethiopia. And it is called Fire, Water, Falsehood, or Truth and Falsehood. And here's how it goes. Long ago, fire, water, truth, and falsehood lived together in one large house. Although all were polite toward each other, they kept their distance. Truth and falsehood sat on opposite sides of the room. Fire constantly leapt out of water's path. One day, they went hunting together. 
they found a large number of cattle and began driving them home to their village. Let us share these cattle equally, said Truth, as they traveled across the grasslands. This is the fair way to divide our captives. No one disagreed with Truth except Falsehood. Falsehood wanted more than an equal share, but kept quiet about it for the moment. As the four hunters traveled back to the village, Falsehood went secretly to water and whispered, You are more powerful than fire. Destroy fire, and then there will be more cattle for us. Water flowed over fire, bubbling and steaming until fire was gone. Water meandered along, cheerfully thinking about the more cattle it was going to receive. Falsehood, meanwhile, whispered to truth, Look, see for yourself, water has killed fire. Let us leave water who has cruelly destroyed our warm-hearted friend. We must take cattle high into the mountains to graze. As truth and falsehood traveled up the mountain, water tried to follow. But the mountain was too steep, and water could not flow upward. Water washed down upon itself, splashing and swirling around the rocks as it tumbled down the slope. Look and see, water is still tumbling down the mountaintop to this day. Truth and falsehood arrived at the mountaintop. Falsehood turned to truth and said in a loud voice, I am more powerful than you. You will be my servant. I am your master. All the cattle belong to me. Truth rose up and spoke out, I will not be your servant. They battled and battled, and finally they brought their argument to the wind to decide who was the master. Wind didn't know. Wind blew all over the world to ask people whether truth or falsehood was more powerful. Some people said a single word of falsehood can completely destroy truth. Others insisted, like a small candle in the dark, truth can change every situation. Wind finally returned to the mountain and said, I have seen that falsehood is very powerful, but it can only rule where truth has stopped struggling to be heard. And it has been that way ever since. The end. So I have a question for you. Where do you struggle and why do you struggle to speak your truth? Anybody know? Where do you struggle or why do you struggle to speak your truth? To keep others happy. Anybody else a people pleaser out there? Right? I don't want to speak up. They might not like me anymore. Keep people happy. Anything else? Your emotions, that's right, your emotions that keep you afraid to speak out your truth. What else? Anybody else got one? Falsehood. Falsehood, it's just easier. It's just easier to go along with the falsehood because it would be a struggle to bring up the truth in that moment. Somebody back there. Peggy. Hard to make up your mind. How do I make up my mind between what is truth and what is falsehood so I'll just keep quiet about it? Connie. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Like if I tell them that this is the truth and not what they believe, that's going to hurt their feelings. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Christy. Nothing will change. It's just not worth the effort. Nothing will change. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, I don't want to let my guard down because that means I'm going to be vulnerable and that makes me a little nervous. 
Virginia, did you have? No. Anybody else? Yeah. Jedi. Yeah, so somebody might attack me because of cognitive dissonance, which is this idea that when the facts show up that are different than your beliefs, it creates this dissonance, and not everybody can handle that. And so they're going to attack me now. Done. Rejection, the fear of rejection. Right? Yeah, Jeff. My truth may be called fake news in this era of fake news. I have a statistic on that, as a matter of fact, that I want to share with you. That's a good segue. Uh, That's about this idea, Jeff. This was a Pew survey that was done in 2016. And in that survey that was conducted by the Pew Research Center towards the end of that year, they found that 64% of American adults said made-up news stories were causing confusion about the facts of current situations and events. 64% of us that are with you, Jeff, like, how do you tell? How do you tell what's truth and what's not truth? Because there's so much being made up now, right? So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to just talk about that for a minute. This idea of how we are all called to this place of finding the truth and sharing some truth. So how many of you are aware, I, I want to read a letter to you. Uh, it was a letter that was written by um, Albert Einstein to his daughter. How many of you know that letter? Anybody? I see just a couple of hands. Well, I want to read you this letter. Okay? It was written from Albert Einstein to his daughter. When I proposed the theory of relativity, very few understood me. And what I will reveal now to transmit to mankind will also collide with the misunderstanding and prejudice in the world. I ask you to guard the letters as long as necessary, years, decades, until society is advanced enough to accept what I will explain below. Now, those of you who have seen this letter, I'm assuming we must finally be advanced enough as a society to hear these words of Albert Einstein, because he said, don't let the word out until it's time. There, There is an extremely powerful force that so far science has not found a formal explanation to. It is a force that includes and governs all others and is even behind any phenomenon operating in the universe and has not yet been identified by us. This universal force is love. How many of you are going, yes, I knew it, right? When scientists looked for a unified theory of the universe, they forgot the most powerful unseen force. Love is light that enlightens those who give and receive it. Love is gravity because it makes some people feel attracted to others. Love is power because it multiplies the best that we have and allows humanity not to be extinguished in their blind selfishness. Love unfolds and reveals for love we live and die. Love is God and God is love. This force explains everything and gives meaning to life. This is the variable that we have ignored for too long. Maybe because we are afraid of love, because it is the only energy in the universe that man has not learned to drive at will. To give visibility to love, I made a simple substitution in my famous equation. If instead of E equals MC squared, we accept that the energy to heal the world can be obtained through love, multiplied by the speed of light squared, we arrive at the conclusion that love is the most powerful force there is. 
because it has no limits. It sounds like Albert Einstein went to unity. (laughs) This is good stuff. After the failure of humanity and the use and control of other forces of the universe that have turned against us, it is urgent that we nourish ourselves with another kind of energy. If we want our species to survive, if we are to find meaning in life, if we want to save the world and every sentient being that inhabits it, love is the one and only answer. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? Perhaps we are not yet ready to make a bomb of love, a device powerful enough to entirely destroy the hate, selfishness, and greed that devastates the planet. However, each individual carries with them a small but powerful generator of love whose energy is waiting to be released. What do we call that here in Unity? That small but powerful energy of love waiting to be released. What is that in us? Right, God, the Christ spirit, right? We believe this. Do you believe this? I believe this. When we learn to give and receive this universal energy, dear Lisa, we will have a firm that love conquers all, is able to transcend everything and anything, because love is the quintessence of life. I deeply regret not having been able to express what is in my heart, which has quietly beaten for you all my life. Maybe it's too late to apologize, but as time is relative, I need to tell you that I love you, and thanks to you, I have reached the ultimate answer. Your father, Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein, it's not even true. It's not a letter from Albert Einstein. It's a letter that somebody wrote filled with these beautiful ideas and said Albert Einstein wrote it, but he never did. Oh, gosh, that's disappointing, isn't it? But here's what happens. We've talked about this before. We all have our biases, don't we? Many of them are unconscious biases, biases that have us saying, yes, see, here's some proof that what I believe is true, and we don't even question it. When something like this gets shared on social media and we see it, we go, yes, I believe that, and we share it, and we don't even know if what it is is true because it aligns with our bias. And so because it aligns with our bias, we just think that must be true. And this is what happens. This is what happens whether this was a good story, right? And I believe, by the way, that there is truth to the story. The fact is that Albert Einstein did not write that. But is there truth here? I believe so. I can't prove it to anybody. But I believe there is truth here. The problem comes when we take a truth and we want to make it so believable that we make up a story about it so that we now put it forth as fact. And it's not fact. And this happens not just with things that make us feel good. It happens with biases that we have around things that don't feel so good that we start sharing without any thought because it brings up an emotion in us. There is something called a post-truth. It's a, it's a new idea that we're talking about in postmodern society called post-truth. And the definition for post-truth 
is relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Right? So we just go by the emotion. Whether the emotion makes us angry, whether the emotion makes us feel like, see, this is why I'm right in my victimhood, whatever it might be, whether the emotion makes us feel good, we, we don't pay attention to, is there any fact behind it? I'll give you another feel-good one. Um, so Jim Larson brought these beautiful sunflowers in again this year. We had them up last year. I love them. Don't you love these sunflowers? How many of you have seen the meme going around about sunflowers? Raise your hand if you've seen it. Oh, I can't believe there's been nobody that's seen it. All right, so here's the meme. There is this meme where two sunflowers are facing each other. And it says in this meme, when there is no sun, because you know the sunflowers follow the sun. That is a scientific fact. They really do do that. But when the sun is not shining, it's a gray day like today. Those poor sunflowers wouldn't know where to turn to turn their heads to the light. So what do they do? They turn to each other. And they get light from each other. Right? Now I heard that. Oh, isn't that nice? Right? What a great idea. Except there's no fact to it. I've tried to find it because it sounded so good. There's no fact to it. You know, the sun is still shining through those clouds. And the sunflower is smart enough to know to follow the light, even though the clouds are there. They don't turn to each other. But that doesn't mean that there's not a beautiful truth there. If we could just, oh, get rid of the stuff that's not fact, right? That makes us feel, seem foolish, that we have to make this stuff up. And if instead I just simply said, Ed, you know what, when my gray day is feeling really gray and I'm down in the dumps and I come to you and you just make me feel so much better, so uplifted, we can do that for one another. That's a truth. The fact that the sunflowers don't do that doesn't make that truth any less so. Right? So here's our challenge in this post-truth world where everything is relative and everyone gets to decide. You and I have to go deeply within ourselves and discern what is our truth. What is our truth? Because there are some truths that I can't prove with fact. The truth, the unity teaches that there is only one power, one presence in the universe and in my life, and that is God, and God is omnipotence itself. That in unity is an absolute truth. But I can't prove it to a single one of you. No one can prove that to you. How do you learn that truth for yourself? Experience it. That's right, experience it. That's the point to the spiritual practices. To give you an opportunity to experience these truths for yourself because I can't prove them by fact. The idea that that power and presence is within us and that it is always within us and that we can never be separated from the divine is an absolute truth in unity. But I can't prove it to anybody. Science has not been able to cut out that little spirit of Christ inside of you and weigh it and measure it and tell you all about it. 
There's only one way you're going to know that it's truth. And that's to experience it for yourself. And ground yourself in that idea. And live that idea through the activity of your life. Now it becomes truth for you that you can stand firmly and confidently in and live from without fear of I might upset someone if I speak my truth. Someone might not like me if I let them know that Christ is in them and me, right? We have to firmly ground ourselves in truth. The idea that at any moment of any day, no matter what the chaos is in the world out there of fake news and everything else, I can take a breath, and through prayer and meditation, I can connect with the divine. I can become aligned with that divine mind consciousness. At any moment, I can do that. But I can't prove that to you. That's a truth in unity, but a truth that I can't give you facts to prove it. So this is our challenge. This is our challenge in the world. That we have to discern what is truth, what is fact. The two may not be the same. The truth may not have facts attached to it. But it still might be true. But it doesn't help anybody when we attach what appears to be fact to our truth in order to make it more palatable or more presentable to the world out there. We just end up looking foolish. Do you see that? So you might be getting the idea that I have a whole lot more questions (laughs) about this particular topic than answers. Because it's up to you and it's up to me to get still, to listen, to discern, to be aware of our biases, to be aware of when I want something to be so true that I don't question it. What I love about unity is we get to question. You don't ever have to take my word for it. Question it, live it, experience it, and then you will be powerfully centered in a truth that you will not deviate from. Because you will be so grounded in it. And I need to practice that. Who else needs to practice that? Right? So we are going to practice that in your bulletin. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you about that practice, right? You all know that by now. So our practice. This week, become aware of the times when you hesitate sharing your truth. Where is that for you? And why is that? And is the fear of being wrong or the fear of being foolish or the fear of somebody not liking me or the fear of disrupting the peace or the fear of how hard it's going to be stopping you from firmly, clearly stating your truth? Choose to move beyond your hesitation. Take a breath. Connect with the spirit of wisdom within and speak your truth. Who's willing to join me in that this week? Speak our truth, right? We have a uh, card. I'm hoping most of you picked it up on the way in. If you didn't, you can pick it up on the way out. It is our um, scripture for the day, which is coming from a Swahili proverb. Where truth stands, falsehood must yield. Where truth stands, falsehood must yield. If you stand in your truth, really stand in that power of your truth, every fear, worry, doubt will disappear. 
falsehood must yield. Your fear is false. But you have to firmly ground yourself in your truth to speak it with confidence, with courage, with love. Will you join me in that this week? So say that with me. Where truth stands, falsehood must yield. Where truth stands, falsehood must yield. That's what I want you to remember this week. And if you'd like to join some people in a conversation around this, we have a new table in our community room. It's called Connecting in Conversation. You'll see it right when you walk in the door. If you don't have anyone else to talk to and you're looking for some conversation, sit at that table together and have a conversation about this topic today. Where is your challenge? Where are you in alignment with it? And how are you going to practice it this week? Where truth stands, falsehood must yield. And therein is a powerful idea. So thank you for joining me with it this week. God bless.